or I felt like I knew everything there was to know about babies and their cries and how to take care of them. But no one really tells you how to take care of you after birth. Um, you know, there's so many hormone changes. You, you have aching breasts when your milk comes in, you know, days after the baby was born. Um, you know, you can cry and you can laugh at the same time. This is Mom Squad Pod, your weekly update on tips tricks, and all things parenting with Maureen Kyle. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning into the Mom Squad pod where we talk all things parenting. And today's topic is one that I think if you haven't been there already, maybe you're about to be there. And that is becoming a new parent. Our very own Laura Queso is going to have a baby any day now. So we wanted to bring in a couple of experts to answer all of her questions. We have Dr. Gina Robinson with Cleveland Clinic Children's and we have Allison Gorin with Pink Nannies. Thank you all for, for coming in and, and brainstorming on behalf of Laura. Good morning, thanks for having me. So Laura, I, I think that it's a very scary time when it's like, okay, baby's almost here. Yeah, kind of like the questions, it's so funny what questions will pop up in almost new parents' mind. And it most of the times it's not, how am I going to take care of this baby? It's more like, oh, wait, how do I do this? And who do I get to take care of? And what's the best? I know you and I have talked in the office, like, where's the best daycares? What do I do? You know, it's, it's those little details. So what would you say? I mean, just on the brink of becoming a mother, what what would be one of your most pressing questions? I think the, so I have, I've Googled so much stuff, you know, like something pops in your head and you're like, oh, let me Google that. Um, I think the first thing I'd like to hear from all moms is what's the one thing you wish you knew? Like, it's so broad, but I'm always curious. What is that one thing? And it could literally be anything. Yeah. Um, you know what, I'll, I'll hop in as, as mom who has kids running in the background and then then you guys can also hop in here. I feel like the, the thing that, um, nobody ever really prepared me well for that, that it was mentioned here or there was, um, breastfeeding. And I hate to like come out with that right out of the gate, Mm -hmm. but I just remember when I, I started it, it did hurt. And I remember everybody saying, well, it shouldn't hurt. And if you're, if it hurts, you're doing it wrong, but I don't know anybody. It's rare. If you find somebody whose baby latches and it doesn't hurt or it doesn't take like the two weeks that just, it's a rough two weeks. And then all of a sudden the clouds clear and you're like, oh, okay, now this is working. Like, I think it's, it's, it's just really rough on some very um, so two delicate weeks skin. I think it, it was like every single baby of mine. And it, it's not like, oh, it's only the first baby. It was always two weeks. And it was a hard thing to, to get through. And I think you put a lot of pressure on yourself as mom thinking I have to, I have to feed my baby, I have to do this. And if you're not getting enough milk, or you think you're not getting enough milk, it, it, I think that that is a very hard um it's just one of the hardest things to get through and figure out and realize that you are doing everything right. And, um, nothing that you do is, is wrong. Like if you, I don't know, I I just feel like moms put a lot of pressure on themselves. Like if they couldn't get enough milk and they had to go to formula, I know my friends have felt guilty or like, if it did hurt, they felt like they were doing something wrong and they ended up at lactation consultants for weeks and weeks and weeks. And, and then all of a sudden it was like, Oh wait, that doesn't hurt anymore. I don't know. I, 
Dr. Robinson, jump in? I'm just like yes. ready to jump out of my chair. And I think that's interesting because I often find myself telling moms in the office, you're, you're three days in, you're not supposed to do everything perfectly yet. It's supposed to be uncomfortable. Some people's level of pain is, you know, different than others, but also working on your latch when you come into your office visits, um, pediatricians are, especially here at Cleveland Clinic, we're working more on supporting moms as they're starting breastfeeding. I'm perfectly willing to sit with you and watch the baby latch in the office. Um, we have lactation consultants that we can refer to. So there are lots, there's lots of support. There's, since we're in this digital age, there are lots of um, podcasts. There are um, breastfeeding specialists who do phone consultations and Zoom consultations. So you're not alone. Um, definitely give it at least that two weeks because sometimes you're going to latch and it's going to be perfect. And then later on that day, you're going to feel like you're doing it for the first time again. But if you continue for that two weeks and hang in there, it's kind of like, okay, it's kind of like when you're learning to ride a bike and you get on at first, you're kind of wobbly and then it gets better and better. And then soon you're just taking off, but you've got to hang in there for that two weeks. Um, don't be hard on yourselves where moms are hard on ourselves for every single thing. And I think that leads me to my thing I wish I had known when I was becoming a mom for the, the a new mom is don't try to be perfect. Don't read every single thing and say, I'm going to introduce my baby to classical music and have them doing puzzles and doing all the, you know, everything that you're supposed to be doing. Don't put that pressure on yourselves. Enjoy the time that you have with your newborn. You never get that time back. So don't be afraid to just be a little bit lazy and sit down and look at your baby and smile at your baby and hold your baby and don't worry about what the house looks like and if the clothes are washed and you know if you're listening to Mozart just enjoy that time and don't be so hard on yourself yeah I'm actually going to jump in and just say you know the one thing that I wish I knew as a new mom was so much more about my body after my son was born Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I really knew, or I felt like I knew everything there was to know about babies and their cries and how to take care of them, but no one really tells you how to take care of you after birth. Um, you know, there's so many hormone changes. You, you have aching breasts when your milk comes in, you know, days after the baby was born. Um, you know, you can cry and you can laugh at the same time. You feel so alone, yet you're never really ever alone again. Or, you know, or how you keep a part of who you used to be, but now you also lost who you used to be because now you're a mom. So I, I think that there's, you know, those, those are for me the really the really important pieces that I wish I knew there's, you know, postpartum depression and there's postpartum anxiety and just being aware of it and knowing that it's okay. Like it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to, you know, set the baby down and, and it's okay for the baby to cry. Um, just really take care of yourself and ask for help when you need it. Allison, I that's think really that's really good advice. A great point. And, and that does bring up, um, and Laura, if we were sitting down having coffee, I would probably tell you pretty much the same thing too. I think it was a really hard shift. People will say that, oh, I had the hardest time going from zero to one baby or one to two. And I think going from all of your time um, is your time to now you have to figure out like a baby will feed every three hours. And so now you're running to the grocery store and you have to get home. I think it's a really hard mind shift. And I realized luckily hearing from other friends saying like, you kind of, you go through an emotional roller coaster. I remember walking 
a stroller and it was a beautiful day out, but I felt like I was on the verge of tears. And I was like, why is my husband not answering his phone? And it was like, I didn't call him throughout the day before, but now I'm by myself. I have this baby. I wanted to talk to somebody. And I did feel super emotional because I just didn't feel like me, me, who was me a month ago. And it's totally normal. And, and, and it's just life changes, but it's all for good too. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say, talk to your providers about that too, because one of the things I like to ask moms when they come in for their visits, especially in the beginning is how are you doing? So of course I'm here to take care of the baby and I need to know about all of those things, but how are you doing? Are you feeling weepy? Are you feeling sad? Are you feeling alone? Are you feeling overwhelmed? And the answer to that, you know, all of those questions is probably yes to some degree. And some of that is normal, but we also want to be aware when we get to the point where it's a little bit extreme or it's not normal and that we are proactive about, you know, kind of getting help for that. So we actually do some postpartum questionnaires or we ask moms to let us know how they're feeling. And um, sometimes it's easier to check a box on a, a, a piece of paper than it is to say, I'm feeling overwhelmed, but we don't want you to feel like that's not something that we care about as your uh, providers for your baby too. No, that's a good point. I think like mentally, obviously so important. And I wonder what that shift's going to be like for me, just like with everything is like career, career, husband, career, family, but to have a baby. And I, I wanted a baby for a long time. It's not that, but like, there's going to be a shift, but I also think of like physically, like, I feel like women expect to like jump right back. Mm-hmm. And that scares me a little bit too. And so, you know, being on TV and Maureen, I think you could probably connect with this. Like, you know, there's a little pressure right now. I have a big belly. There's nothing I can do about it. But like, I wonder like after I just have to remember to give myself some, some grace period. And just to remember, like, it's not going to bounce back immediately. Right. It's going to take some time. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. I, I think all of us can, can attest to this and the pressure of being on TV, Laura, I mean, we could talk a bit about that for a long time. And I probably made a lot of mistakes. Like I remember my, my oldest, I, she had to be only like a week and a half old and I went out running and then everybody told me, why, what were you doing? Your bladder could have fallen through your body. Like your body is not ready for, for jumping and running. And, and I didn't know, I just thought, okay, I have to get back to where I was and I have to look a certain way and I have to, and you see people post pictures and, and good for these moms. There are, there are people whose bodies just immediately look the way they were. They walk out in their clothes. You'll hear people say, Oh, well, I walked out in my jeans that I was wearing before I got pregnant. And I was never one of those people, but it, it's, that's not how the rest of the world is seeing you. The rest of the world is seeing just they don't see the size of the clothes that you're wearing or how your body looks. Everybody's just so happy that you have this bundle of joy. And I think everybody understands, you know, people have babies and and there's some changes for a while too. And it's, it's going to be like a year of, of your body being different. Um, <laughs> I see the look on your face for anybody who's just <laughs> a year. I would say I it's know, about my a year. sister was one of those people. Like my sister, bounced back in two weeks. I, I very, I'm very different than her just Mm -hmm. in general. She was always so tiny, tiny. And I'm like, okay, that's, I, I need to stop putting that pressure on myself because that, that won't be me and that's okay. Um, But I think it's as, 
Allison is a great point. It's like, you have to like focus on yourself and also think about yourself and what's happening with you too, even though, you know, most likely you'll put everything into the baby, but there's like that fine balance. I'm a little worried about that, but I think it will be okay. Yeah. And give yourself time to figure that out. You don't have to know what that balance is, you know, right away. I'm my, I just took my daughter to college last week and in some ways, you know, I'm still figuring out the balance of things. So you don't, there's no deadline for you to have it all figured out. Alice, did you ever go through any of that or have friends that went through like the, the push yeah. and pull of like how you were supposed to look or? Yeah, you know, to- I think that, you know, just in general, like it's just normal. Like some people do bounce back and people are really proud to share that they did. But mm-hmm. I feel like that's not reality. And for the norm, um, you really have to take care of your body. And if that means that you're going to be, you know, holding 15, 20 pounds, maybe even 30 pounds for two years, that's okay. Like your baby's healthy. And at the end Mm -hmm. of the day, that's truly all that matters is, is that you're healthy and that you've always put your child in yourself first. So it, to me, it doesn't matter what it, what you look like, but I never really felt pressure, um, to really bounce back or to get in my clothes. I wanted to feel good. Mm -hmm. Um, I went through some postpartum anxiety, pretty bad, um, or I, I don't know if pretty bad, I think just maybe normally. Um, so I, I definitely was more concerned about like my child not breathing in the middle of the night or like, is the mattress breathable or what happens if my baby rolls onto their side and then goes onto their stomach or when do I take the swaddle off? Um, there's just so many different factors that I thought about more so than how I looked, but it, I mean, it's, it's all relevant. It's all, it's all things that we go through when we have babies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's going to be me. Wait, speaking of being worried about things, yeah. and Allison, I feel like you could speak to this. I worry about what happens when I go back to work. Mm-hmm. And I actually reached out to your company just to to talk and hear about a nanny. I know that daycare is an option. That it freaks me out to think about going back to work yep. and leaving a three month old, and I still can't quite like grasp it. So what kind of advice do you have? Cause that really throws me for a loop. Yeah. So the biggest advice is, you know, an agency is definitely a luxury and nanny is a luxury just in general, but if you can go through a reputable agency that does their background check, does fingerprint testing, drug screening, motor vehicle report, social security number verification, global terror search, does all these different things that is so important, but for, um, you know, just the norm and somebody who maybe can't go through a luxury like that, make sure you shadow this individual, make sure that, you know, your childcare philosophies and your personality is matching what they're doing. That when you're shadowing them, that they're doing everything the way that you want them to do it. You know, it's something so simple, like holding a baby in your left hand and feeding them with a bottle in your right hand. Well, if you don't like that and you don't feel comfortable, use your mom intuition. If that doesn't feel right, then don't go with that person. Call their references, spend money on a background check, go through a security database that does an extensive search past seven years. Um, that's really important. And then, you know, of course, when, when they get in your home, make sure that they're going to be with you for at least two weeks. And if you have to pay them for those two weeks, do it. Um, you know, but, but if you can go, go through an agency, they've done all the vetting and screening for you. They've done all the legwork. You know, with our agency, we only accept about 10% of applicants that apply. So we're very meticulous. Um, we're very thorough. And, and you know, 
there, there are nannies everywhere. Just make sure that they really mesh with your family really well and that you can see them taking care of your kid for longevity. And if, if you have to put a nanny cam in, I mean, I have five cameras in my house. Like I know I was thinking about doing that. Yeah, do it. I, I, I mean, people think I'm crazy. I tell a nanny as soon as they came in my door, I've had a nanny for the last two years. My son's two and a half. Um, her name is Sheena and I absolutely love her. I trust her hundred percent, but she went through some tests. Like I put her through tests and, and I know that sounds crazy, but one of my things was I had to have a camera like, yeah, I'm on my camera and I'm going to watch her. Like, this is my pride and joy. Like this is my everything I'm going to watch you. And I want to make sure that at the end of the day, when I come home, I know my kids being well taken care of. Um, so just do your homework, spend, spend time doing it. If you have you know, 12 weeks of maternity leave, hire that nanny and start looking for her when you're, you know, four weeks um, postpartum, because it okay. takes a long time. Um, it, it's a really meticulous process and you're going to have to really do your homework. Are there any, um, Allison, I've gone through, I've had a nanny, I've done different daycares and, and situations. Um, is there any question that you think that somebody like Laura, or even if it's a family that has older kids and, and they're just going to try the nanny for the first time, are, are there any questions or details that you think families don't ask off the bat and they should be asking or any, any sort of details they should set in place, like expectations that they don't do and then regret later? Yeah. So, you know, the thing that's most shocking to me is some, some families either don't reference check because maybe they were referred by a friend. And so they, you know, they think that that's credible, which is great, but I would say you have to check at least three references. You know, are they reliable? Are they proactive? You know, do they take initiative? Do they know how to calm a crying baby? What age groups have they worked with? You know, if somebody's worked with five and seven year olds and, and beyond the chances of them being really good with a newborn, you know, that's a gamble, you know, find somebody who has previous newborn experience, maybe a postpartum doula, maybe someone who's a previous lactation consultant, a newborn care specialist. I mean, they're everywhere. And, and I know it probably sounds grueling, like, oh my gosh, where do I go to find them? That's where you go. You go to an agency um, because we have the, the previous experience credentialed nannies, postpartum doulas, lactation consultants. Um, now, another thing is spend money on a background check. You know, if, if you're getting a background check that goes past three years, find another company, go back seven plus years, um, do drug testing. You know, there's, there's many different companies that offer drug screening. If you want your nanny vaccinated, make sure that she shows you proof of her vaccination card. Um, and, I, and I mean, COVID vaccinated. Um, and if you require them to have their flu vaccination or influenza vaccination, require proof of it. Tdap is also really important. Dr. Robinson, I'm sure you can vouch mm -hmm. for that. There's a lot of Absolutely. vaccinations that are really important. Get proof of everything that you can. Um, and make sure, yeah, reference checking is huge. Um, reliability is a really important factor right now, especially with having everyone furloughed and having to be at work on time. And um, yeah. Good advice. Yeah. Um, Laura, do you have any questions about, I know you've probably had a, a bunch of baby I've showers. And, and like, I saw that you had, had asked about gadgets and, and things that, yeah. Um, you tell me what you want to know. <laughs> wait, before I get to gadgets, as I'm looking at my computer, um, 
for the for doctor for me okay a lot of my friends buy this this is real organic formula they bring to the hospital or a bunch of my friends have bought formula from germany to bring to the hospital um, some of my friends will use what the hospital gives them. This is all in case you can't, you know, you're not producing enough milk. Mm-hmm. What do you recommend? <laughs> what do I recommend? I recommend that your baby eat. Um, <laughs> so I think a lot of times we're worried yeah. about, again, doing everything perfectly. And there are lots of ways to feed your baby. Ideally, breast milk, human breast milk is the, the perfect food. It's, it doesn't come in on the first day. Remember that. So you're going to be producing colostrum in the beginning. Your baby tells your body what you need and your body responds. So even though it doesn't seem like it's enough in the beginning, sometimes we jump the gun to supplement or to add formula because, oh, he can't possibly be getting enough because I'm only producing this. So just be patient. Don't jump the gun to introduce a formula right away. You don't have to do that. Um, your milk will probably not come in until the second to the fourth day, depending on whether or not you deliver vaginally or you have a C-section. So you've got time. Um, and then beyond that, there are lots of formula options. Honestly, I don't have a, a favorite or one that I recommend over any other ones. Um, I think I prefer a milk-based formula. I think most babies do fine with that, unless there's some type of medical issue that would cause them to have to switch to a different kind of formula, but that's really as far as I go with that kind of recommendation. Gotcha. And then as far as like waking up a baby to feed, mm-hmm. I've heard different things on that. Mm-hmm. What, what do you think about that? So really your newborn should be eating every two to three hours in the beginning. So most of the time you won't have to wake the baby up. Um, there are special situations where we're worried about weight gain or a baby's had some problems with feedings where we're going to say, you need to be feeding on this specific schedule. But um, in general, the baby's going to set the schedule and your body's going to respond to that and go with it. Um, after the first few weeks, when we're sure about weight gain and the baby's getting bigger, he or she will be able to sleep for longer stretches. So I, I don't recommend waking a one month old up at the three hour mark necessarily, but a newborn, I'm going to say, okay, three hours, it's time for him to eat. Gosh, there's so much stuff. <laughs> You got time and, though. You, know, you don't have to have it all it on day one. Yeah. yeah. You figure it out day by day. I totally So agree Lori, you should, you should look into the easy schedule. Um, it's eat, activity, sleep, and you time. E-A-F-Y. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, and it's, it's wonderful. Um, it's actually something that I followed in order to get my child on a sleep schedule. So you're associating um, eating with playing instead of eating with sleeping. And I know that sounds like so contradictory, um, but it, it really works for all of our families that we go into their home and we um, put a baby on a schedule. And it's just something that, um, that really might help you in, in establish a sleeping schedule. That's that- good to know. But at the beginning, like there's no schedule. Yeah, like at, right the beginning, at the beginning, no. it's so, touching. Dr. Robinson, what would you say? Would, it, would you say it's about six weeks until you try to even start to think about a schedule? I would say at least four. I think okay. in the beginning, um, sometimes we're in this rush because we're thinking ahead to, I've got to go back to work or I've got to do this or, you know, I, and if you let the baby kind of lead you, you'll end up in the right place. Um, newborns will sleep 
up to 20 hours a day sometimes. So there are a lot of times they are simply waking up to eat, look around for a minute, get changed and go back to sleep. Okay. So um, again, there's not, they're not on your schedule necessarily, right? Right from the beginning. Okay. That's good to know. um, That easy schedule is that I I had a friend read some book and she goes, let me save you the the time on this book. This is what happens. They eat, like, let's say they eat at 9am. Then you keep them awake for at least a half hour after eating. Then if they fall asleep, make sure that they're up and eating by noon, like every three hours. Is it something like that? So it just depends on your child as far as like the stretch that they go. It also depends on their birth weight. I mean, there's a lot of different factors that go into effect, but I know for me, Dr. Robinson, you might cringe at this. So during, during the day, I never let my son go over three and a half, four hours during the day. I always wanted my son to get like all the calories they could during the day. So then they could go longer stretches at night. And I know that that that's not like right in the beginning, but that is something that like, I was really, really keen on, um, is just to make sure that they were like constantly eating during the day. And I know a lot of times, you know, you want to take a nap and you just want to, you want to get rest and, oh my gosh, five hours has gone by and that's okay too. Um, if you can like set a clock or, or set your alarm to make sure that they're, you know, getting back to their birth weight, because of course, you know, when a baby's born, sometimes they drop their birth weight. They might come home a pound, you know, a pound lighter. They might come home a half a pound lighter, two pounds lighter. That's okay. Um, and Dr. Robinson, you can probably vouch for that as well. Um, but so, yeah, as long as they were back to their birth weight within like two or three weeks, I was very happy. Um, so I don't know if that answered your question or not, but. And speaking to the birth weight, um, there are a lot of factors that go into that birth weight too, because sometimes that initial weight can be uh, falsely elevated because you got a lot of IV fluids during labor. So uh, we're looking for all of those things when you're coming in for your visits. So when you first leave the hospital, you come back in a day or two after you go home, we're checking weights then, we're looking for cues that the baby's not feeding well, for signs of dehydration. Um, We'll talk about the feeding patterns. And then I usually say by two weeks, I'm expecting the baby to be back at birth weight. So that's kind of like my milestone for that. And I think that brings in supplementing too. A lot of times there's a rush to supplement because of weight drops, but you also kind of have to take the whole baby into account. Don't just look at the weight, you know, talk to your, your pediatrician or your, your uh, provider about everything that has to do with the feedings and all of those different signs that we're looking for, not just that one thing. Makes sense. This is all really good stuff. We probably have time for like one more question. I was going to ask how much time do we have? Okay. This, um, Okay, there are so many baby gadgets, things. And my mom the other day was like, I just had a crib. I don't know, like all these things. Mm-hmm. So is, is there one thing that all of you, I'd love to hear from all, one thing that mothers love or that you loved or a few things, talk to me. Allison, Gina, go, go ahead. What do you recommend? I'm always amazed at what moms are bringing into the office and telling me about. And I'm like, oh, I didn't even know that was a thing. But the one thing that I really like are the, um, the, the either the pumps or the suction cups that fit into the bra so that okay. you can nurse on one side and pump on the other side at the same time. That to me is revolutionary. Yeah. The Haka. Is that one? Okay. I, I, again, I don't know the names of anything, but I'm just like, oh, wow, that's 
That is awesome. I, I wish Wait, I would not the that. wireless, not the wireless ones. That one and the other one that's just like even the little suction cup. I it's think called the Haka. Haka. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. H-A-K-K-A. If you want to, mm-hmm. if you want to look it up. I wonder if I have it, but I have no idea. <laughs> H-A-A-K-A. Okay. H-A-K-K-A. H-A-K-K-A. Allison, did you use it? You know what? Um, I didn't. Um, I exclusively pumped. My son had a really hard time latching on. So I, yeah. d- I wasn't, um, I wasn't fortunate enough to use it, but I still have it. I actually have yeah. it in my, drawer in my house. I, it was around when I had my youngest, but I was like, Ugh, I, I, I don't need any more new baby stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, my cousins are now, I have two cousins that just had babies and they, they swear by it because what it does basically is as the baby's feeding on one side, it, it lets, it kind of pumps on the other side because you have let down on the other side as well. And so you end up catching a couple ounces of breast milk that would otherwise just kind of, I don't know, leak or just stay yeah. in there or whatever. So you're able to save that too. And then you can freeze it. So I've heard about that. I have not used it. Um, Maureen, is there anything that you loved or? You know, what is like, I think, so I have three for anybody who doesn't know. And um, I think I, I got all the gadgets with my first one. I mean, it's like that one commercial for, I don't know what, what, what um, baby brand it is where it's like first mom and you have all the gadgets and you have everything and you're going out the door looking like you're moving and then second baby. And it's just like, yeah. like a blanket. And yeah. the only thing that I kept, and I even still have just in case my family members come over in case a friend comes over with a baby is like some sort of pillow, like the breastfeeding pillow. I ended up like, I always use Boppy. I know there's like a couple other brands, but I ended up buying those and keeping one on every, at least every floor in my room. And I would even keep one in my car because like I said, you're going to be out. You want to get out of the house and all of a sudden it's going to be time. And I could at least go throw on a cover up in my car, have the Boppy pillow and, and my daughter would be feeding in the car and I could stay out and shop for another hour or two. And it, it's the simplest thing, but I would say, I mean, it, it, bare bones, that would be it. If, as long as the baby is in a onesie and you have a feeding pillow and a cover up, I think you'll be set to go. I don't know about like wipe warmers. I had heard about those. Some moms swear by them. I never used mine. Mine sat in the closet forever and I ended up giving it away. So I think that gadgets, it's funny to hear what each parent says is their favorite gadget, just because I think it's all preference, but I'm just, I I think you should have a, put a feeding pillow in your car, put it on, you know, in each room. That way you're not running around looking for one as the baby's screaming and crying and it stresses you out that your baby's crying for feeding and, and you're looking for the pillow to get comfortable and sit there for a while. I think the best thing you can do is buy books and just be able to sit down and start reading to the baby in those quiet times right from the beginning. Because sometimes, you know, all you have the energy to do is sit down in a rocking chair and rock back and forth, but you can always read a book and then you can start to, you can buy the books that have the black and white contrasting pictures in the beginning, because those are really um, stimulating and easy for newborns to see. And then you'll start to notice that, oh, now she's paying attention to these colors, you know, a couple months in, and now she's paying attention to these different stimuli. So I think books are probably a lot cheaper than all the gadgets and a lot more fulfilling and, and important in development, just reading and interacting. 
Yeah, that's I mean, good. One, no, go ahead. One gadget that was a complete lifesaver for me, and I and I know I mentioned I had postpartum anxiety. It was the baby outlet. Um, yes. It really gave me a peace of mind. Okay, can you too. talk to me about that? I yeah. keep seeing. I don't have it, but I keep seeing it on like well, Instagram. Don't worry. I have it's everywhere. One Okay, keep boring, but there's but there's different um there's different editions and they have a brand new one. How old is yours, Maureen? It, I got it used and I used it um my youngest just turned three, so it's like three years. Old. Oh, I would get a new one. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, just because of technology, they're they're pricey, but they're super cheap in the spectrum of things. I mean, if if it can save your baby's life. So it gave me a peace of mind. It's a little, it's like almost like an apnea machine. Um, it goes around their foot and it, and it just regulates or it doesn't regulate. It takes their pulse ox um, and it'll, it'll be on your phone. It's like a, I probably still have it, but anyways, it's an app and it tells you that the baby's breathing and it's really, it's not, it's not something that it's going to make you more nervous. It's actually something that's going to make you feel at ease because when you go to sleep at night, and you wake up in it in like a frantic, like, oh my gosh, is my baby breathing? You can just be rest assured that, okay, there's this device on their foot. It's going to alert me if, you know, if their oxygen level is dropping or, you know, their heart rate's too fast, that you're going to just be able to sleep at ease and at peace. At least that's what it did for me. Now, Dr. Robinson, I know that a lot of pediatricians are like, don't use it. Yeah. That was a <laughs> I don't want to rain on your parade. I know. That's, okay. <laughs> I know. that's probably one of my least favorite gadgets. So what I will say is um, it sounds like, Allison, you had a lot of anxiety and yes. it helped you. Um, so if you are a mom who has that level of anxiety and you need that in order to have peace of mind, then Okay but I wouldn't recommend it across the board that every mom or every baby needs to have a gadget like that, because I do think they can be anxiety inducing in some moms yeah, because true. if they, it slips off or it's, you know, the sensor's not picking up then the alarm's going off and then you're, you know, full fight or flight mode, you know, running into the nursery or running into the, you know, running over to the bassinet, waking up from a dead sleep. So that can be, it could go either way. So that is definitely not one that I say across the board, I would recommend, but I think it helped. It sounds like it helped you a lot. It so did. my job and my philosophy is I want my parents and my families to feel safe and secure. And if that's something that helps you, I'm not going to say don't do it, but it wouldn't necessarily be my favorite recommendation. Ladies, thank you so much for joining us here this morning. This was such great information for any soon to be new mom or any moms out there that are having another baby and need a little bit of a reminder. So thank you so much for all of the great advice. And thank you for joining us here on the Mom Squad Pod. We'll see you right back here next time. Thanks for listening to Mom Squad Pod with Maureen Kyle from WKYC Studios. Subscribe now so you never miss an update. And find more on everything you heard here on WKYC.com and on the WKYC app.